This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Emmanuel Mbakwe with the Word of God. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 14 from verse 5 to 16. In the fourteenth year of Kedalama, and the kings that were with him came and attacked Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Canaim, the Zuzim in Ham, the Emim in Shaveh, Kirathim, Thame, and the Horites in their mount in the mount their mountain of Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to Elmisha, that is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Malachites and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hezazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, the king of Bela, that is Zoah, went out and joined together in the valley of Sidon against Kedalaoma, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shina, and Ariel, king of Elasa. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidon was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. The one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre in the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Anah, and they were allies with Abraham. Now Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And two verses or three verses from chapter 18 of Genesis. Verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham should surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in Jesus' name. Today we are continuing with the theme that we started last month in January, the theme, We Are Family, Let Us Be Family. Today's message is subtitled, Identity, Duty, and Responsibility. Identity, Duty, and responsibility. And I guess, like me, several questions will flash through your mind. What is identity? How does the issue of identity apply to family and being family? What is duty and what is responsibility? How do they relate? How do they apply to this issue? We are family. Let us be family. What are the key points of application? How do these apply to our lives? First, as in family life as a Christian family or in church family. Remember, we are talking about we are family. Let us be family. Identity, duty, and responsibility. I want to begin by saying this to us, that every family has or should have an identity. 
Let me repeat. Every family has or should have an identity. Our theme, you know, the theme has um, really two main components. The first is identity. Whilst the other has to do with duty and responsibility. Let we, our family, has to do with identity. Who we are. And I'll explain. Let us be family has to do with what we have to do in order to be family. Do you get me? Duty and responsibility. Uh, don't look at me so quietly as if I've, I've lost you already. Give me some response. I'm just laying foundation. So we are family is about identity. Identity is who you are or what a person is. For example, your name, uh, the color of your eyes, your height, your family name, the area you live in. Those of us that live in Bermondsey, it comes with an identity. Especially neighbors of Millwall Football Club. No one likes us, we don't care. The friends you keep, the school that you attended, they all contribute towards your identity. So when it comes to our theme, family, uh, to the theme of family, every family has an identity. In the same way, every family has a narrative. Every family has a story. And your story is your history. A family's identity is connected with a story. And if your story is your history, your identity is connected with your history. I'm going somewhere. So, you know, for example, uh, you go into certain families and they're cracking jokes. And you're thinking to yourself, what's wrong with these people? It's because they have a shared identity and they have a shared history. And they tell inner family jokes, which you, the outsider, cannot understand. Are you with me? So history is where people are coming from. People know you by your history. And by application, the question is, what is your family's identity? What is your family known for? What is your family's responsible, res, uh, re, uh, reputation? For example, A and C. What is your identity? What is our identity? A spiritual family? An attractive uh, community of grace? Are, we known, are you known as a worshipping community? A worshipping church? A praying church? A loud praying church? A quiet contemplating praying church? Whether loud, whether quiet, pray. You see, the bottom line is that identity speaks of who you are. Let me extend the thought. Identity is your brand. Your identity is your brand. Your brand is your logo, your light motif. And your brand will say something about you. Those of you who are marketers will understand what I'm talking about. The rest of us, you know, we experience brands every day. Are you looking at me blankly again? Oh, come, I come, I know where you shop. I didn't say little. I just said I know where you shop. It tells the world who you are. So every family has a brand name. Every church family has a brand. And so... One of the keys about brands is this, that they have a relationship that has been built up with their customers over time. Are you with me? Let me explain. In the world of business, branding matters. 
I said, your brand is your identity. That's a bit of an eye chart. But I, I, I just pulled that out on the slide to show us. Um, that's a configuration. So most of you don't know that one single brand owns so many. One single business. And you say, I hate this business. I hate this business. That you are pumping your money into the other brands that they have. The, the point that, that I'm being made is that every major business in this world has a very strong brand or has a, a number of strong brands. And so if you consider all of this, what you're actually buying into, you're buying into an identity. Young people love their brands. They want you to spend £100 plus. I won't even mention the brand. On a piece of casual shoe wear. I'll take that money and go and carry a cheese title somewhere in the village. <laughs> the point is they're buying into an image. They're buying into a family. They're buying into an identity. Do you understand? And there is a point of application is what kind of brand is this family? What kind of identity do we project? What kind of identity, do you, a brand do you want people to buy into? There is a question that arises. And the question is this. How do you acquire, how do you build a strong brand that is credible, that enjoys confidence of the customers and the consumers? This is not a marketing exercise in marketing. The thing is in scripture. And we'll see it when we come back to our text. I, I want to take us from the known to the not so well known. And the answer is, if you, what you're going to do, you have to build trust. Tell your neighbor, build trust. You see, trust is a function of performance over time. Trust flows from people watching you, getting things done, getting results over time, and which then makes you credible. Remember, we are family, let us be family. The family brand, the trust that is built in the family brand is because the brand has been performing and delivering results over time, consistently. The strength of the brand is the, a measure of the trust that consumers have in that brand. This is what God said, come to our second text. This is what God said about Abraham. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing, the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. Somebody say, for I know him. Just pause there for a moment. It's based on knowledge. It's based on observation. It's based on interaction. It's based on connection. It's based on relationship. God says, I know him. Uh, can God say that of us? You know what happens when somebody's character is a bit shady. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> you don't say anymore. You've said enough. This is what the Bible says of Abraham. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Again, we read in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant. 
Jacob whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham by friend. Remember, we are family. Let us be family, a family of friends. God says, Abraham is my friend. You see, Abraham had a strong brand with God. That's why God could say, he is my friend. He had built up trust. He had a, a bank of trust. His trust bank with God was full. It wasn't in the red. It had a lot of credit. That's because Abraham had performed consistently over time. And God says, I trust this man. For I know him. And the question is, can God trust you and I? Does God trust our brand? See, at the heart of the Abraham brand is the fact that he had over time built trust. He believed in God and God believed in him. We sang, Lord, I believe in you. That's what we sang, yeah? Does God believe in me? Can God trust? You see, trust was at the heart of Abraham's identity. Let's look a little bit closer at this issue of trust. This is a little equation. I'm not a mathematician, but this makes simple sense to me. Trust equals performance multiplied by time. If your performance is one and time is one year, one times one is, come on, help me, one. But if someone has been performing for 10 years and has been delivering every year. Let's just say 10 times 10 is what? Who should I trust? Stands to reason. And so, may God help us. You see, we need to understand what I call the trust equation. The question is, can God trust the ANC family? And can the outsider who's looking at the family trust the family? You see, building trust is critical to building and creating a strong family identity. And all the brands in this world, they are built on trust. You know what happened with um, a certain brand of baby milk. I won't mention the name. Some will accuse me of bias. Notice I haven't mentioned any brand apart from one or two. I mentioned Bermondsey. And I mentioned a certain food retailer. But you see, the, the, point, the point is that it is based on performance, always performance over time. The brand that is called Abraham was strong with God. And, and this leads us to consider the issue, the question of culture. Remember, identity, duty, and responsibility. We are family. Let us be family. You see, the issue of culture really is important because culture is the way we do things around here. That's my simple understanding of culture, the way we do life. Culture is the shape that we create and the shape that then molds us and makes us a family. You see, a healthy culture will produce a healthy, come on, help me. There is a logic, yeah? So in the context of a healthy family, culture, a healthy family culture, the, 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 the trust is deep and the relationship grows. 
And if you build a culture of trust, that means you're going to build a culture that is strong, a family that is strong. So the question is, how then do you create culture? Um, this is a topic, a lifetime of study, but we don't have time to go into detail. I just want to highlight, how does culture develop? I want to submit to us five things. Culture begins with what we believe. Because your belief drives your behavior. As a man thinks, so he is. So if you have a model in your mind of belief, that's going to inform how you relate to the world and how you conduct your affairs. Are you with me? So our doctrine, as we submit to our doctrine, as we live out the word of God, this word, what happens is that it creates a culture. A culture within us and a culture around us. The second thing is our values. Values are the things that matter most to you. Yeah? Um, I have said this many times. People do what people value. And I, I, I said it again that I, will, I know what you value by looking at two things. I will look at your diary. And then secondly, I will look at your bank account. Your ba those two are revealing. Where do you spend your time? And where do you spend your money? That tells me what you value most. You see, speaking of values, Abraham had very strong and clear values. We're coming back now to that text. The first value that I see actually is a triplet. Humility, generosity, and magnanimity. In Genesis chapter 5, 13 from verse 5 to 17, he when the contention arose between his servants and those of Lot, he didn't fall out with Lot. He allowed Lot to pick first. He said, you choose which part of the land you want. Even though this blessing, the covenant blessing was resting in him, the seed of blessing was inside this man. He, he, brought, he brought the boy. Let me say boy, because that's what he was. He brought the boy with him. And yet the boy had the temerity, he had the audacity, he had the effrontery to pick first. How dare you? Brazen. If you were offered the option, say, uncle, you pick first. Whatever you have left, I take. But no, he picks and look where he ended up. We're coming. We're talking about family. We are family. Let us be family. You did. I was talking about identity brands, etc. And you're wondering where I was coming from. But that we're talking family. This is a member of the family playing rogue. Having abdias above his station. And yet his uncle showed such humility. May God grant us to be so in Jesus' name. He was so generous of spirit. And then we see the value. We're talking of values. He didn't value land and all that. He knew it was already his. Look as far as your eyes can see. It's all yours, Abraham, God said to him. And then the issue of integrity and contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. When he was coming back from battle from verse 18 to 24, he met the king and the king said, yeah, Abraham, you take everything. 
First, what he did was to pay tithe. I said he did what? Pay tithe. Have you paid tithe? That's how we fuel the family coffers. That's how the work gets done. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. We are family. Let us be family. We're talking now about duty and responsibility. Yeah? Identity, duty, and responsibility. You contribute. NC, NC. You know what it is. So he paid tithe. And then they said to him, take the spoils of war. He said, no, I don't want anything. All I want is what my man will eat. Let's, let's, tomorrow you say, I made Abraham rich. No, it's God who made me rich. Do you understand? We're talking about values. First, the first value we see in him, what we believe is, then the second value, uh, sorry, in terms of what creates culture. First, what we believe and secondly, our values. And thirdly, our practices. So linked to the disciplines, the rituals. These are the visible and invisible, the spoken and unspoken ways, the language that we use, the things that we do, our practices, what we celebrate, how we worship. You know, our modalities in terms of worship is an indication of our culture. Are you with me? There are those who will come in and find it a little bit Alien, a little bit strange, until they begin to understand the coded as well as the uncoded things that we do. Are you with me? Uh huh. And then, what makes we're talking about what makes up a family culture? The stories we tell. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. Our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works which he has done. Psalm 78 from verse 1 to 4. You know, stories matter. You see, what stories do is that they help us to join the dots. They help us to build the bridges and stay connected uh, between the old and the young, between the past and the present, between the generations that are here and the generations that are yet to be born. Are you with me? Especially in places of oral tradition where they're not written down. You tell stories. We'll tell stories. We'll tell stories. One generation tells it to the next. The older members, you see, that's why a multi-generation church is vital. A church that is only useful, youthful, has a problem. You know why? Because there isn't the storytellers, the sages, the griots, who are able to Take the ancient narrative, the stories, and tell them to the next generation so that we can, those, the next generation carries it forward. So the people, the next generation know where they're coming from. May God help us in Jesus' name. What they do is that they help to create, to form, and to sustain culture. Last point about how we, what makes up family culture is how we celebrate the seasons and the cycles of life. Whether it's birth, whether it's marriage, whether it's death, and so on. You see, well, child dedication, birthday celebration, weddings, funerals. Each of these are moments that help us to celebrate together, rejoice together, cry together, but also dream together and aspire together. And therefore, what we're doing, we're creating memories. We're forming memories. We're banking memories. Are you with me? Sweet memories. 
And we're really talking about duty and responsibility. Whilst identity is who you are, duty and responsibility are similar but not the same. Duty is the moral or legal obligation or a task that one is required to perform as part of a job. Whereas responsibility is what someone must deal with, an assignment over which they have been given control and therefore they're accountable for it. So every member of the family has a duty and a responsibility. Somebody say amen. amen. We are family. Let us be family. So every member has a duty and responsibility and therefore accountability. You'll be asked to give account of your stewardship. Have you done this job well? How are you doing? And in, in doing that, what you're doing, you're maintaining the cohesion of the family and the well-being. Everybody must have a task. And the question is, what is your task? What is your duty? What is your responsibility? You see, in the natural, mother and father or parents have a duty and a responsibility to the children. Are you with me? The children also have a reciprocal duty and responsibility. When you are young, you're primarily a consumer. I'm saying you're, you're, you're a net consumer. When you're old, you're primarily a producer. Because when you're young, somebody produced for you. Is that not so? And you consume recklessly, without care. You see, these things happen in terms. We're talking about family. That's what happens when you're building family. So each generation must understand its responsibility. As in the natural, so in the spiritual. What we learn from Abraham, because this is a point of application. You see, Abraham had built a culture, and we see it in the following. First of all, he equipped and he trained. 318 servants who were born in his family, he trained them for war. Are you with me? Secondly, it was a culture of discipline. Everybody knew what they had to do. They understood. It was a culture of teamwork. I'm just giving highlight. It was a culture in which they trusted each other. You know, in the battlefield, it's the most intense place where you can be in life. And you have to train. The training makes it such that you can trust the person next to you, the left to the right and the back of you. Are you with me? That he got my back. And it was a culture of selflessness. They were willing to put their lives on the line in order to save one man. Three weeks ago, Tukwe spoke on being a responsible member of the family. This is what we're talking about. You see, Abraham had built a strong family culture. In the passage, we find that there was duty and responsibility. Abraham had done what he needed to do. And so he mobilized, he equipped, he deployed his resources in the battlefield. The church is supposed to mobilize resources and deploy ourselves in the battlefield, in the field of mission and evangelism. We are family. Let us be family. We have duty. We have identity, duty, and responsibility. What is the duty and responsibility of those who are led? We see what Abraham did. It is to undergo training. It is to be disciplined. It is to work as a team member. It is to be willing to sacrifice. And recognize that the need for selflessness. You see, you don't sacrifice without being selfless. This is about giving yourself, being willing to lay it all on the line. And that was what Abraham himself had taught his household. He went to battle with them. Are you with me? 
At one level, you could say it was that his action was driven by filial love. That's brotherly love. But actually, it was driven by agape love. Because what he did is a picture of an, an intercessor. An intercessor is one who stands in the gap for another. And he stood in the gap for Lot. Not only personally, but he mobilized his own resource for their benefit. Are you with me? May God help us in Jesus' name. That means that every family in every family, duty and responsibility means that we must, I'm going to move on, we must be willing to add, seek to add value. But things can go wrong. I think when things go wrong, when crisis hits, what happens? The reality is this, the truth is this, that things happen, major life-changing events happen in the course of life. And... <laughs> Some of these things happen and they hit at the very core of family unity and family well-being. Um, the best time to find out the strength of a family is when things go wrong. Uh, Corey J. Hodges said this, Crisis does not make a man. It reveals what the man is made of. And so, crisis doesn't make a family. It reveals what the family is made of. You see, Abraham's love and commitment was tested to the core. Uh, when Lot was in trouble. He could have said, and rightly, justifiably, well, you make your bed, you lie on it. You chose. You chose the fancy land. You stay in your fancy land. I stay here in my little corner. But he didn't. But what he did was mobilize his own resource. And they went to rescue Lot who was kidnapped. Church, family, family, Christian family, husband and wife, let's not play the blame game when things go wrong. Rather, close ranks and deal with the problem. After we've overcome the problem, we become stronger. We celebrate together. And what happened with Abraham, that means that anything that then happens in the future, the family is able to say, yeah, we've seen this crisis before. We can face it with fortitude, with confidence, with faith, with unity, and with strength. Abraham stood shoulder to shoulder with his family, and God gave them the victory. Somebody say hallelujah. Crisis will happen. Sometimes they come like London buses in the old days. These days they use computer and, and they try and separate them. Have you noticed? It's much better. If they announce they're coming six minutes past the hour, you better be there at six minutes past the hour. Uh, if you want to uh, chance it, maybe leave your home um, with uh, three minutes to spare and you know that you have to run. You'll be huffing and panting as the bus is pulling up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But problems can come in bottles. May God help us. We are concluding. We are family. Let us be family. Identity, duty, and responsibility. Every family has or should have an identity. I maybe apply it to ourselves. What's our idea as a family? Let's start with the natural family because there are families in this place. What's my idea? What should be our idea? Which is leading us to what kind of culture should we create? Is it attractive? 
Your, your identity is actually your brand, whether you are an individual or whether you're a Christian family or the church family. And God's desire is that the church family builds a strong brand that is trusted, that is reliable, which in turn spiritually is in turn spiritually and materially viable to valuable to God, the kingdom of God, and the, those around us. And we learned that a strong brand is built on trust. We looked at the man Abraham. God says, I know him. I trust him. It's therefore important that we build trust. Whatever you do, please build trust. Trust is a function of performance over time. May God help us in Jesus' name. We can see this thing of trust working out in the personal brand of Abraham. It was rooted in his conduct. Over time and time and time again, God proved him. Take him from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 22 when he was willing to lay down and, 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 and offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. One of the things that we also see is that culture matters and culture is the way we do life around here. And the question we ask ourselves, how do we do life? How do we create and recreate a culture that is wholesome? that is safe, that is healthy, that allows, and allows people to grow, to mature, to become all that God wants them to be. And culture consists of the, our belief, our values, the stories we tell, the songs that we sing, our practices, our disciplines, our prayer, the word of God, evangelism, and the things, how we, how we indeed celebrate life. And from Abraham, we see that he built a strong culture of equipping, of discipline, of teamwork, of trust, and selflessness. And God allows us to understand that selflessness and seeking to add value is central to any healthy family, whether a natural family, a Christian family, or a church family. And last by no means least, God wants us to know that crises will come. Abraham experienced several crises. But the one that we use to illustrate the point is the fact that his errant nephew was in deep trouble. Things go wrong. And it happens nobody's fault. Sometimes it's nobody's fault. It's just stuff happens. When that happens, the challenge is to stick together. Shoulder to shoulder. That's the strength and the test of individual and collective family character. One thing is clear, the family that sticks together wins together. Let us stand and pray. Thank you for listening to God's Word. We are the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Find us at Tyus Terrace, Kennington, London, SE11 5LY. Our telephone number is 0207-820-9917. On the web, we are at www.apostolic-anc.org All Nation Centre, reaching out to you in practical and caring ways.